Welcome back to another episode of Discomfort by Design. My name is Taylor Quick. I am your host. Before we get into today's episode, I want to remind you guys, please go on whatever platform you're streaming this from, like, subscribe, leave us a review and a rating. It really helps this podcast to grow. So I would appreciate it if you guys would do that. Uh, so today we have on Coach Corey Bell. Coach Corey Bell is the strength conditioning coach at New Mexico Military Institute. It's a prep school. Uh, and he has got some really awesome insights for us today. So we get into all sorts of things from what his role looks like there at New Mexico Military Institute, how that's different from other places and other strength and conditioning roles. Uh, we get into his past and where he's been. He's been at some great big name institutions, the Ohio State University, Boston College, to name a couple of those. Uh, he gets into some details about uh, getting uncomfortable, taking a stand for what he believes in and how that has affected his livelihood and uh, affected his ability to do his job at one of the places he was at. So I'll let him cover all of that. Um, but I'm really excited to bring this to you. It's a great conversation. Corey is talking about some things that really need to be talked about, especially within the strength and conditioning realm. And uh, he goes on uh, some pretty, he goes on down some pretty cool rabbit holes. And uh, we, we're, we've had conversations since, and we're actually going to meet up here in a couple of weeks in Oklahoma City at the Collegiate Strength Conditioning Coaches Conference. Uh, looking forward to that and the conversations we'll have there. I doubt this will be the only time Coach Bell comes on the podcast. Uh, he was a really great guest, so I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Uh, so without further ado, Coach Corey Bell. All right, so today we've got Coach Corey on. Coach, how you doing, man? Doing great. I'm doing great, man. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, no, for sure. I, uh, man, it's like I was telling you a while ago before we started recording, I, I've been looking forward to this conversation for, for several days, man. Um, I started following you on, on Instagram because uh, one of my buddies that I'm in a group chat with, one of my best friends, has uh, started sharing some of your stuff in our group chat. And he's a, apparently a really good friend of yours. Yeah. Um, and so Jared Myatt had, mm -hmm. had pushed, pushed some of your content. So I started like, going down the rabbit hole of everything you're posting, and I'm like, Dude, yeah. this guy's all over the place. This is yeah. awesome. <laughs> Yeah. And so I was like, man, I know I got to get this dude on. So, you know, reached out last week and you, you seemed really eager. So I was like, man, heck yeah, let's do it. Uh, so yeah. Coach Corey Bell, uh, man, mm -hmm. if you don't mind real quick, Coach, give us your backstory a little bit, where you're from, you know, how you grew up, how you got to where you are today, what you're doing right now. Just kind of kind of give us an overview. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, I'm originally from San Diego, California, um, California boy by heart. Um, when I was a sophomore in uh, – in high school, my mom and, and myself, well, she made the decision, but she decided that we wanted to move to Orange, Texas. Um, and uh, my auntie had a house out there that she was living. So it, was a, it was a cheaper thing for me and my mom, um, her being a single mom and whatnot. But uh, we made it happen. And so moved out there, graduated from West Orange Stark High School. Uh, I haven't put this out there yet, man, but I'm actually, uh, it's funny how things work and come full circle. I'm actually taking the head strength coach job there um, at the end of this month. Oh, so Congratulations, man. That's thank awesome. you, brother. Thank you, man. So I'm going back home to Orange, Texas and looking forward to impacting those kids. But after that, went on to went back to California, got kind of tired of uh, the humidity and the mosquitoes. Went back to California, man, and uh, played at Grossmont College. Um, after that, waited and uh, went to Lamar University in Beaumont. So went back to went back to Texas, had that same feeling again, man. I got tired of it. You know, I was inpatient uh, young man and just trying to get to where I wanted to go in life. And um so I moved back to California, played in a, played in a uh, developmental league, also played in the indoor football league, played, so played a little arena ball. So bounced around a little bit. <clears throat> and after that, it's kind of when life hit me in. And, you know, we, 
you know, coaches talk a lot about that, that post-athletic um, phase in kids, and it hit me hard. Uh, anger, depression, disappointment. Um, I wasn't I wasn't happy where I was at in life. And so uh, so from about 20 to <clears throat> excuse me, 20 to 25, man, I was just thugging, man, to be honest with you. You know, running the streets, um, partied a lot, partied a whole lot. Every day was a party. Um, sold drugs, did drugs, and just lived a lifestyle that wasn't conducive for who I was supposed to be and what I was created to be. And at 25, um, uh, New Year's Day, um, got in an accident. I was partying. I shouldn't have been driving. Um, but it was just God's grace, I believe, that, you know, um, walked out of there and no injuries. Um, I was literally standing there talking to the cops concussed, and I still didn't get a DUI, DWI, or nothing, man. And so it was, it was, just, it was just grace. And um, so it started changing my life at 25. And uh, my mom was originally from Ohio, and it was always a dream of mine to go to Ohio State. And it was like February or January of the next year. I was like, you know, I'm just going to apply to Ohio State just to see what happens. I kind of did it for just kind of giggles, and I got in. <laughs> I don't know how. I had started uh, taking classes back at community college. Um, Grossman my college, matter of fact, where I played juco ball. And uh, it worked out. I got in, and, and my girlfriend at the time, I was, I, it was her car that I crashed, by the way, New Year's Day. Uh, who's my wife now? Um, I told her, I said, you want to go with me? I'm making a life change and I'm, I'm, I'm leaving San Diego and I got to move across the country. And, and she said, yeah. So we moved to Ohio, man, with a $500 wedding gift, two car notes, no place to live, no place to stay, no nothing. We just kind of driving on faith and we made it happen. And um, so we, we, we lived in, in, in uh, student housing for a minute. I was working at the rec center there at Ohio state. Um, and the, the, uh, the personal training leader, coordinator, Alicia Israel, she told me about this strength clinic um, that Ohio State football was having. So I went and, and I met uh, my future intern coordinator and my future supervisor, uh, Phil Matus, um, who's now the head strength coach at Boston College. And uh, the rest is kind of history, man. Uh, my interview day was, was a pro day. I showed up in a shirt way too tight, so they made me wear a jacket all day long. Yeah, I was, I was, I was coming from the fitness world, not the strength and conditioning world. <laughs> So that was, that was my first interaction with Ohio State football, and I was with them 2017 season. Uh, this year we beat USC in the Cotton Bowl, and um, uh, <clears throat> I told uh, Coach Mick, Coach Mick Marotti that, hey, I needed to make some money. I can't, um, I, can't, I can't do this for free anymore. I mean, basically, my wife is paying the bills, and I was bringing home whatever take-home meal we had in the facility. So that's how I was feeding my wife, you know, and, and as a man, and you know this, I mean, that, that, was, that was breaking me. You know, I was tearing me up. I was bringing home leftover pizza, calzones, whatever was in the woody that night. That's what we were going to eat that night, man. And so, uh, so they uh, they created a position for me. I was still a student at the time. I never had got my degree, my bachelor's, or anything. So I, I was still a student. And um, so I was working with groups and, and helping out and assisting as a, as a part time strength coach. Um, my direct supervisor was Heather Mason, uh, longtime strength coach for Pat Summit at Tennessee University, of Tennessee. And, uh, and so, yeah, man. Um, eventually graduated, got my degree there and passed my CSES. I had like two weeks to take it, two weeks to study. So everything was fresh in my mind. So it worked out good. I think sometimes people take too long to study for it, but had about two weeks past it and, and became a full-time assistant, uh, worked, worked mainly with fencing there, track and field, um, and assisted with other sports and whatnot. So my house there was great. Did you say fencing? Fencing, fencing. Okay. We got to circle back to that because yeah. that is absolutely fantastic. All right, yeah, so I'm no sorry doubt. to interrupt, but keep keep okay. Fencing, that's awesome. Yes, and, and there's there's a great story behind that too. But uh, um, when Jeff Haffey got the call to take over at Boston College, um, 
Filma, he brought Filma Tuse as his head guy and and and, and uh Tuse, he uh he called me up and, and and invited me to go with him. I made the decision to, to go to Boston College. And uh, you know, obviously it was a weird transition for everybody being in a COVID year. That's when it hit. You know, you're taking over a new program and something's happening that we've never witnessed in our life lifetime with 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 COVID. And so uh so that was great. Had a great time up there. And um, you know, I'm I'm pretty open about this. I don't I don't share it a whole lot, but unfortunately, you know, um things got in the way of me staying at, at Boston College through new uh, mandates, if you will, uh, majority of people probably understand what I'm talking about. And um, so, yeah, and, and, you know, I just, I just felt, and I don't, I don't mean to take anything away from, from that program or anything, but I just felt like as an American, I have a right to, to uh, say what I want to put in my body and what I don't want to put in my body. And unfortunately it just didn't work out. Me and administration didn't see eye to eye and they followed through with that. And it is what it is, you know, no hard feelings. Um, my next stop was New Mexico Military Institute. And, uh, here I am. We had hired an assistant who coached a guy, Danny Ford, um, who's the head guy here at New Mexico Military Institute. He coached him, and um, he was like, "Hey, I got a, I got a, I got a, I got a, I got a guy out there looking for an assistant." And this was all within a week. I, I took, I did an interview on Zoom, and next thing you know, boom! I just woke up one day. I was like, "I'm going to Roswell, New Mexico, man, home of the UFO landings." Right. So <laughs> here I am in Roswell, New Mexico, and it has been a blessing this past year. Obviously, our football team won the uh, national championship, D1 Juco, our, our volleyball ladies, um, national runner-ups. Basketball had one of the better seasons. We have um, um, world-qualifying athletes in modern pentathlon. Our baseball team's having one of the better seasons. So it's been a blessing, man. It's been a blessing for me this year, and and I'm looking forward to bringing everything to uh, back to my high school in West Orange Stark and being, a premier, uh, being the premier strength conditioning program in the state of Texas. Man, that – Okay, so that's absolutely fantastic, right? Yeah. And, you know, you, you hear the stories about New Mexico Military Institute, uh, the different, you know, Hargrave over here in the, in the southeast regions where I'm from. Uh, I'm, yep. I'm from Mississippi. And um, when, I, when I got to Ole Miss playing football, we had a couple of guys that uh, had come down from Hargrave. Um, and, and them dudes were just different. You know, I mean, we, I, when, later on, I think we had a kid or two that came from New Mexico military. Um, and, and it's just, is there a different brand of kid, man? Yeah. And so how – all right, so th- this is a great kind of question, mm. and it's something I've always wanted to ask. I've never really known anybody that could strength coach at, those, at one of those institutions. So this is kind of a fun question. I, I didn't realize you were at New Mexico Military. So how, how are you bridging that? Because that's essentially like taking it's, – it's almost like a high school job because these are 18- and 19-year-old kids. I mean, you don't, you don't mm. get 23-year-old, fifth-year seniors no. at, at no. schools like that. you got 18-, 19-year-old kids. Often their grade issues is the only thing that kept them from going to a power five school uh, or, or a division one school, whatever. Um, so there, there's a grade issue there, or there was some type of um, behavioral issue that, you know, kind of kept coaches like, okay, hey, we're going to pump the brakes on you for right now. Go prove to us that you're, you're that this was a one-off and then you come back. So you're, you're kind of marrying the high school with, with the collegiate spectrum as well as the tax spectrum with the tactical stuff. Because at the end of the day, it is a military institute, so they right. also have that, you know, aspect as well. So, like, the three biggest, you know, strength and conditioning realms in our industry right now is going to be high school, college, and tech. How, yes. how did you marry all that together? Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it was definitely a huge transition um, when I first got here. <clears throat> I had no idea what I was getting into. Uh, to be honest with you, and I do work predominantly with all three of those categories, high school, college, and the tactical side. On, on the tactical side, we have a, a phenomenal preparatory program here where these kids will go off to West Point, Air Force Academy, and whatnot. So it's, up to, it's my job to make sure they pass all their various PT tests, 
Um, so we have about a 98% passing rate right now with all the sponsored uh, preps. Um, so I'm very proud of that. Uh, I'm happy for the kids. But just what people need to understand in these type of schools is that this is the optimal environment that you're going to get before you go to your Power 5 school or any other school. If you look at what you what the demand is at a D1, D2, D3 school, including breakfast, training, practice, uh, study hall, tutors, classes, um, more training, more film, meetings with coaches. I mean, these kids wake up at 6 a.m. and form up um, every single day. Like there's there's no sleeping in, there's no missing anything, and you're going to bed all at the same time when taps blows at, at, at nine o'clock at night. So this is this for for these kids, they're being prepared for the next level. They're being pre- prepared for life. So thankfully, like our, our uh, football coaches and, and other sport coaches recruit kids that can handle that. You know, that's who we, who we pull in. We don't have too many kids who struggle with, um, you know, you're going to have your grades and stuff like that. But as far as the demand, I think we're a lot, that's where a lot of kids struggle when they go to the next level, the demand and what's asked of them to do, you know. And um, that's kind of that's kind of where it falls in line here. The, the communication is the same throughout the school. The messaging is the same throughout the school, not just within the sport program, but throughout the school. So my job is not really that hard. It's, it's really not. It's more so just being aware of, of, of the kids going through the demand because it is a lot um, and making sure that I maximize the time and optimize them from a holistic standpoint. No, I, th- I think that's absolutely spot on, you know, because you know, I, I remember, you know, I, I played junior college ball first and, and junior college where I was from, man, it was because it was like the town where I lived in, where I graduated high school was like 12 minutes away from the co- junior college and the next little right. town over. And so it was essentially like going to 13th and 14th grade, right? It was like all my buddies were there, all the girls from high school were there, and then, you know, the high schools and stuff that were right around us, they all kind of funneled in there. And so it was really just 13th and 14th grade, and it was really simple and easy because you're playing football, and they want you to have a great GPA so that you can, you know, matriculate out, and they can use that as a recruiting strategy and be like, hey, look, we send this amount of guys to the next level, whatever that next level might be. Mm -hmm. So I left in the mid-year, and I get to Ole Miss, and they, you know, I had enough credit hours through junior college to be classified as a second-semester junior, even right. though I was only a second-semester sophomore. And so I got stuck in, like, 300 and 400-level classes in the middle of the year because that was the only thing that was being offered at the time. And, dude, like, it was, the, it was a life-changing, yeah. absolutely ridiculous. And, and I didn't handle it well. Um, you know, I was a small-town kid out in the middle of nowhere, dropped into one of the biggest party schools in the country. Yeah. And, uh, dude, I lived on the square on the weekends. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, uh, you can find me at the library. And, no, that's not the library on campus. That's the name right. of the best bar in town. That's right. <laughs> which, which was a great marketing strategy because you could be like, right. Mom, call me. Hey, what are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm going to the library yeah, with some friends. Right. And, then, and she's like, hey, my son is so studious. Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> not. Right. Uh, and so, man, I found myself in some academic trouble all of a sudden. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, this is not this is no joke. Because between, you know, 5 a.m. workouts in the springtime, because they wanted us to be able to go to class. And then they structure those workouts at 5 o'clock in the, in the morning so that in, when it comes time for spring training, you know, you've got your afternoons free and all that. So we have 5 a.m. and then 8 a.m. classes all the way through. And then you had – you know, breakfast check you had to be at, you had lunch you had to be at. Yeah. Uh, then you start your, you know, if, you, if you're in the training room, you got to get your training room stuff done, all your therapy. And then, you know, you got team, you know, position meetings, team meetings. And then you've got optional 
You know, you got those yeah, optional yeah, things that you're yeah. supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. I quote optional right there. Um, and, and, you know, you look up and all of a sudden it's like 8 o'clock at night and you know you got to be up at 440 to get right. over to the weight room on time. And uh, it's like, dude, what am I supposed to do my homework? And then all of a sudden they're like, all right, so we're going to get you tutoring because your grades suck. And, and right. now you're doing <clears throat> tutoring and all of a sudden your day from 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. is mapped. And it's like, dude, whoa. And, and, that, and, is, and that was so huge because I was, it blew my mind. Yeah. And, and it's, it's structure like that, that, you know, like I said, I went to a, a junior college in California, Grossmont College and, and what's available is available. So I'm not knocking, I'm not knocking the school or anything, but, but, you know, I think that uh, last chance you really did justice by showing what JUCO in California is like, you know, just as a, as in, in, a in a lot of different places, but in California, you have basically a community college or JUCO on every other block, you know, and these kids, I mean, we were, my homeboy was coming from McDonald's before practice. You know, there was there wasn't no there wasn't no um, treatment before. There wasn't no accountability. There wasn't none of that. You know, and we had a lot of issues within the team um, just because there was no environment. There was no structure. And in a school like the Institute, New Mexico Military Institute, you get all that. You know, kids might go a little crazy because a lot of us asked of them. But like you were saying, it prepares you for all that that you might handle at Ole Miss or another big time program like that. Um, the only, the only thing is, like, since the kids don't leave, once you get the chance to party, it's it's, it's available. It's like, okay, I got I to gotta go party. But but nonetheless, nonetheless, I mean, control structure is is, is great for, for young folks, man. And, and the more that you get, the more that you prepare for the next level. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. And it, it's hard to see at the time, you know, and you're like, man, I want to live this up and take these opportunities. But, right. but you know, there's it, – it's just hard to see and, and, and mm-hmm. people, people – don't take it for what it is. And all of a sudden they wake up and they're like, dang, I wasted that opportunity. Right. Um, so you said something a while ago about a holistic approach to training. Yeah. Man, take us down that road because I, that is, that's kind of starting to get on some of the stuff I've seen on your social media that really intrigues me. Um, yeah. I was talking to somebody today about the, uh, the sound wave stuff that you've been posting mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and, and that I, I'm beyond intrigued with that. Yeah. So yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, first and foremost, you have to understand kind of, um, sports science and performance as we know it today has only been around for what, maybe 30, 40 years. And we've really only been tapping into, um, you know, the elite level of sports science, maybe the last decade, last 20 years. So I have to ask myself, you know, as a performance coach, okay, you know, what were the Greeks doing? What were the Romans doing? What were, what were um, all these ancient civilizations doing leading up to um, battle making sure that their, their soldiers were, were war ready, if you will. And of course, you know, it's kind of like a tough it out type of thing. Our mentality as, as, as men and as society is, is, uh, is a lot different now, but my holistic approach is like, okay, well, you know, take for instance, HRV. A monk can take three breaths within a minute and not stress, but he's never done any HRV training or hooked himself up to an Omega wave or anything like that. So, so what is it that we're missing outside of computers, outside of screens, outside, we're missing something. And so I look at different things and, and how we move. And, and the first la- layer that, that I kind of approach it to is that we operate on a frequency. We operate on a certain frequency. There's no doubt about that. That's scientifically proven. proven. You know, our, D- our DNA responds to language and sound. That's it. Language and sound. So you start looking at things like that. Okay, well, what frequency do we operate on? What, what, where, why, why does music affect us a certain way? Why do we feel like this after we hear this? So I did some research and I started, uh, I came across a, uh, so flagio notes, I think I'm, if I believe I'm pronouncing that right, and what these notes are are different frequencies that um, our DNA responds to. And one that I use a lot is 528, and 528 hertz 
is is called the frequency of love. You know, a lot of people say that that uh, that God operates, um, if you believe in that, uh, operates on that on that frequency. And so um, it's 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 supposed to repair the DNA. Um, unless you're speaking on this one, because it's the one I kind of deal with the most, and I, I use for myself. It's supposed to repair the DNA and, and make modifications. And how it works is how our body works. Our body is really about ninety to ninety-five percent water. Okay, and our cells respond to sound. It's just like if I were to hit a fill up a cup of glass, uh, uh, fill up a glass of water, um, and I hit the side of it, and it's going to ripple. It's responding to the sound that was created by that impact. And the same thing happens inside of our body. So if you think about it, like if I'm listening to rap music or rock music, I just read a study recently um, talking about frequencies and sound and different music and how it responds or makes our body respond. And rock was actually negative 1.8%. It gave a, it gave a negative 1.8% to our DNA. So that, that layer of music was actually pulling away from our DNA. Um, so I read that recently. So like you, you, you wonder why so many communities and, and whatnot have so many issues because look at, look at what our kids are listening to. Look at what our athletes are listening to. Look at, look at what they're putting in their, their brain and their body all day long. Right. So that, that sound is manipulating ourselves. It's manipulating our DNA. It's creating it's creating a whole nother being that we're not that is pulling away, pulling us away from the source. You know, the source being, depending on what you believe, you can call it the universe, you can call it God, you can call it whatever. I call it God. Um, but that's the source. So the, the more that our DNA is, is manipulated and pulled away from the source, the more issues we have, the more sickness we have, the more injuries we have more depression our kids have we wonder why our kids are, have so much anxiety at such a young age like you're not even paying bills which what are you what do you you don't even have kids what are you nervous about you know but it's because they're being pulled away from the source the source of love the source of calmness and the uh, my approach um for young people is is to kind of get them closer back to the source get them closer back to being an overall holistic um being and whether that's through frequency whether that's through heat whether that's through uh, i have my tactical kids earth so um, we'll go outside we'll take our shoes and socks off we'll just walk on the grass you know those negative ions and and, and coming up from the earth are are healing you know everything is a, is a is a operates on an electromagnetic wave and tesla was really on to something before they locked him up in a in a room his last days um he said you need to see the universe as uh frequency and energy and light and those things are science. Those things are concrete. Those things are not going to change. And once we start seeing that from that perspective, then we're really on to something. Then we can really start becoming who we were, who we were designed and created to be. And that's what I believe. No, I mean, I think, I think that's actually spot on because, and, and, and you know, there, there are different studies that, that can go different ways. And just like you said, you can call it God, you can call it the universe, you can call it mm. whatever you want to call it. You can call it the matrix. Yeah. I don't care. Um, yeah, yeah I, I'm with you. I, I personally think it's God. That's, that's you know, the way I, I've, I've always been raised, the way I mm. believe and things I've found for myself. And, uh, man, I, I, I'm with you on that, on the, the frequencies, the vibrations, the, the, you know, light, and and all of that is absolutely accurate. Um, yeah. You know, and it's weird, you know, it's it's like sunlight, sunlight doesn't make me, you know, this, this weird anxious awake the same way that a screen does that artificial light has a completely different effect. Um, and and, you know, I've, you said, you said heat while ago and and I, I recently got to do, uh, do something with, uh, some heat and some cold exposure that was absolutely fantastic. We were, I was at a winter strong that Sornex puts on every year and uh brian peters with the mind strong project was up there brian's a nfl vet and um and he's 
absolutely incredible. He took us through some breathing exercises and things and, and taught us a lot about breath. And yep. then after that, we immediately got to put it into practice. So we had some cold tubs sitting out there. This is, you know, the first weekend in February in South Carolina that sat outside mm-hmm. all night. And then we put ice in them. I think the thermometer had them at like 37, 38 degrees water temperature. Oh, and then sitting right beside that was a dry sauna that he had at around 200, 205. And so we were doing three minutes in the tub going directly into the sauna. And we would we were in the sauna until we developed a heavy sweat. Mm-hmm. As soon as you develop your heavy sweat, you're right back immediately into the tub. And we did that for three rounds. Yeah. When I tell you I felt like freaking Superman, oh, yeah. I, I am not even remotely joking. Like I, yeah. I in that in that moment and the rest of that day, I felt better than yeah. when I was in my best physical condition playing football in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Better than anything. I, I mean, it was just like this complete and total, like my body was like, hey dude, we're factory, we're about to reset back to factory default. And, and and that's and that's because you that's you are addressing at the your body at the cellular level. We don't do that. We look for Western medicine is all about topical. It's all about looking into okay, where's the point of injury? It's a hamstring strain. Okay, well then I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put a pack of ice on there and then it's gonna go away. No, if, if you want inflammation, like like this this is exactly what I've been so interested in is how do we move from Eastern medicine, which kind of falls in line with our conversation now, to Western medicine, and we're so far away from the cellular level. So the first time I heard about what you're talking about, the contrast, um, contrasting, I was actually training a uh, veterinarian at Ohio State, personal training this guy, and he said he went on a vacation to Russia or something, and he did exactly what you said. The only other part was that in between getting in the tub and getting in the sauna, they would beat his back with like uh, sticks or something, right? And I was like, I don't know what that's all about, but if you think about it, there's research that says, you know, it works just as good as a cold shower, just slapping yourself in the morning, kind of waking up those cells, kind of get blood around your joints and blood around your body and blood and, and, and into your brain and how your body responds to that, as well as dry brushing, like dry brushing um, first thing in the morning has been around for years. So uh, I, I totally, I totally understand what you're saying. And, and I did a 30 second cold shower thing for 30 days. And the way that I, I wasn't drinking caffeine, man, the way that I felt when I was going into going into work, it was unbelievable. So when you address the body at a cellular level, it's totally different than anything else. Totally different. Sunlight, um, uh, cold exposure, heat exposure, and these things are free. And this is what I'm talking about going back to the source. We have everything on this earth that we need already. Not to say that that you know certain medicines and certain um, fallacies of, of medicine will be, won't benefit us. I'm not saying that. I think there's a time and place for everything. But if we come from a certain source and that source has provided everything that we need, don't you think that we're good? You know, like that's just that's just how I see it. We we, we look for all these band-aids on stuff, but we never actually look to heal the, the issue. Once you look to heal the issue at a cellular level, then the band-aid isn't necessary. No, I mean, and that, that's perfect. And, you know, I, I, I'm with you on the cold shower. So um, I, I have a really good friend who runs a cool podcast called Nomad Strength Show. His name's Ross here. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Ross, uh, I did some a thing with Ross one time with some some cold exposure. Where we did some breathing techniques, and some Wim Hof stuff, and all that. Yeah. And and from that time forward, I, I mean, I would say, I would say four to five times a week, I'm taking a cold shower, and that's not necessarily yeah. in the mornings. I think one of the bigger benefits that I've seen from it is taking a cold shower immediately right before I get in the bed. Mm, um, okay. So 
because you know what what where do you get into your REM sleep and all that is when your body temperature drops and you, your breathing mm-hmm. and your heart rate and all that stuff starts coming yeah. down you're right. able to get into that sleep range that you're wanting to do so if we turn the screens off early you know you mm-hmm. read do whatever you need to do beforehand um and what I, what i found is that when i get into a pretty cold shower for between 30 seconds to a minute and 30 with some breathing in there and then dry off and go straight into the bed. Yeah. Like, dude, I sleep so much better. I get yes. to that deep sleep slip so much quicker. So, I mean, my, my Garmin watch tracks my sleep and yeah. stuff. So I can see my, see the, the metrics and the markers and you know, they're not, they're not perfect and they're not really mm-hmm. deeply scientific, but if it's consistently measured by the same thing, I can see trends. And on yeah. the nights where I do that, I, my, my deep sleep is, one to two hours longer. And yeah. so obviously the next day I, there's no need for a monster or a bang or coffee or whatever. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. clicking on all cylinders ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's, you know, it's, it's just kind of going on that sleep, um, sleep thing for a second. So kind of just falling back with the hurts as well too. So I had a strength coach reach out, reach out to me recently and, and he had said that he'd listen to 432 Hertz, um, which is, which is another uh, calming frequency. And same thing, one or two hours deeper in his sleep, um, felt great the next day. And then I have an, I have an athlete out of power fire school right now on a 528 uh, protocol, um, at least 20 minutes a day, write down how you feel afterwards. Um, and so we just started this week and he's leading up to, he's leading up to a meet this weekend. We just started this week. And after the first night, he said he slept like one of the best nights of sleep that he's ever had, you know? Um, so just, just kind of, kind of, tying that into what you were saying and, and the, the impact of sleep and the, and the impact of what things have, whether it's cold water, whether it's cold shower, whether it's listening to a frequency and, and just kind of going back to the, the free part, like, you know, we're not talking about flow tanks. We're not talking about cryotherapy. We're not talking about all this different stuff. We're talking about stuff that is accessible to you. That is free. You got to pay your water bill, you know, but this, we're talking about stuff that is free to you that optimizes your body, enhances sleep. And as we both know, sleep is, is the number one recovery tool that's out there. Yeah, man, absolutely. And, you know, you, you people would listen to this podcast and they're like, oh, well, that's easy to say. They know where to find this stuff or yeah. he's able to get in a cold tub, blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I have a buddy that made an at-home cold plunge for like $150. Yeah. Like, I mean, you go to you went to Tractor Supply and got a, a livestock tank. There's like a 300-gallon mm-hmm. livestock tank. Yeah. Filled it up with water, went and bought um, like one of those little hot tub chlorine tablet floating yeah. things to keep the water clean and a piece of shower board to put over it to keep it insulated. Yeah. And, dude, he just leaves it out on his back porch and got it really cold back in February. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's April now, and we're starting to get into the 80s over here in the southeast region, and that dude's yeah. water tank is still in the 50s in the morning. Wow. wow. So, I mean, he's able to get a three-minute cold plunge in every day, yeah. and that's, there's nothing to it. I mean, yeah. literally, minimal investment, maximum return, and mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's, it's showing some great benefits in his life. Yeah. And, and, you know, you'd look at these like super performers or, or uh, high performers or high achievers or whatnot. I mean, Tony Robbins, he has a cold plunge in his, uh, in his Fiji mansion that he gets in every single morning. And see, like, this is all information that these, these high performers and all these people making billions of dollars every year, they have access to this stuff. We have access to it too. It's like you said, you go to Home Depot with that bad boy, you'll put it in the back, back porch, man. And you're good. <laughs> you're good. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's just finding, you know, finding solutions instead of finding yeah. problems. So like for the same guy, for instance, is 
filling his tub up and he's like toting buckets of water from his sink. And yeah. like, I, I asked him, I was like, do you not have a spigot? And he goes, no, I don't. And then he texts me back a few minutes later and he goes, but you know what I do have? I have a washing yeah. machine hookup. So I'm going to unhook that and we're going to run a hose from the washing machine. There we go. There like, we dude, go. That's what I'm talking about. You just got to find solutions right. instead of finding problems all the time. And, mm-hmm. and I think, I think you get there when, when that's what you want to do. And, and yeah. I think that's one of the biggest problems I'm seeing in our society, especially here in America, man, is mm-hmm. we are so freaking problem oriented and, yeah. and we seem to find the negative in everything all mm-hmm. of the time. You know, we're right. anti this, we're negative that. And, and, yeah. it, and it's, it's, it's just mind boggling because there's so much good and there's mm-hmm. so much great things happening. There's so many really cool, awesome people to talk to and yet, for some reason, we never see that. We never hear about that. And, and I, I can't figure out why. Yeah, and, and I'm going to go back to the, to the energy piece, man. It is where, in, where your energy and focus goes, where your, or where your energy goes, where your focus goes. Um, and so if we're focusing on negative things all the time, and, and, and we kind of don't have a choice. Like, look at our media. Look at our mainstream media. We turn on the TV, something negative is, is on. Um, we scroll down Instagram or scroll down your social media, something negative. And these things, these things, these are thoughts. And we, we kind of um, uh, get pregnant with these thoughts and then they manifest into negative things in our own life. You know, so you got to unplug a lot of the times. But I, I feel that everything is divisive. You know, everything is to make me hate you or you hate me. You know, um, to be honest with you, and like I said before we before we got on, you know, I'm an authentic person. You know, me and you, obviously, we look totally different. But guess what? If I slice you open, it's the same thing if you slice me open. So I'm not on all that mess, man. It's 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 intentional divisive stuff to make me hate you or you hate me and divide communities, divide people. And I'm not with that, you know. And then and then when somebody does something, what they might call good, um, it only creates another problem, you know. And and so that's that's the world that we live in. And we live in a very divisive world. But if we bring our attention back to the source. The source being love, you get a whole nother outlook outlook on life. You get a whole nother outlook on performance. You get a whole nother outlook on training. You know, on people. Your life just changes, and uh, it's kind of hard to explain. You know, I'm still digging into this stuff, and I don't have all the answers and everything. But what I do know is that I've chosen to live a life that's not divisive. I've chosen to live a life uh, personally that's not uh, full of hate. You know, I address my issues. I address them how I how I feel I need to. But if we just take that step in changing our paradigms. Um, in in our life and our thinking, then uh, our communities would be better, our role would be better, and for sure, our country would be better for sure. Yeah, man. So that that, that that's it's funny you say that because like I mean, last night I was on a call um, with a group of men that I, I I'm in a, I'm in a group with. It's called the Complete Dad, um, yeah. and and it's run by my buddy Tom Kingwell. He's based in Germany, and he's he's got this whole uh, this whole coursework and things, and it's all about becoming this complete dad and mm. and, and husband and whatever. And and he addressed it as dad because every man's not a husband, and every man, yeah. you know, but he really wanted to centric center it around fatherhood and one of the things that we're talking we were talking about last night um was that you know so many people want to see change in the world so many people want to see this impact be out in the world but but they can't even make up their own bed you know or or they they have issues in within their own what we call their house um my uh, a buddy of mine that is has since passed away is named terrence mitchell um terrence would always talk about 
clean your own house up first, clean the yes. rooms up in your house. And what he was talking about was your, your mental state. And, right. you know, you need to address all of the issues that you have and you need to become this person that you're, exactly. you want to see this change out in the world. You need to become that. And right. then you need to start with your family who you have direct influence over your wife, your kids. And then you need to start with your community. And then yes. you need to branch out from there and there and there. And then it grows and it grows like the ripples. And, right. and I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm right with you on that and, and that yeah. we need to, we need to make sure we're addressing things at home with yeah. ourselves and being, yes. being what we need to be connecting back to the source. And, um, you know, and, and from that point we can, we can actually have an impact. We can actually have an impact on, on ourselves, on our families, on our communities on, in, and in the world. Um, but, but you can't do that if you're not, if you're not authentic, you're not true and you're not in line with where you need to be. And then I tell, I tell people all the time, I say when your household is in order, your life is in order. If your household's not in order, man, it's chaos. You have issues at the, and for all, all of those all those guys out there and, and and people in general, women too. You know those couples when not when there's chaos in the house, homie, <laughs> there's chaos in life. That is my that is my number one thing that I got to have in order. Um, just making sure that I'm good when I step in my door, and um, and everything else will fall into place. Like the, the work issues that I may have, or if I had a bad day at 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 work, or or had an issue with the kid. That doesn't, that doesn't even come close to if I got an issue inside my house. You know, it doesn't even come close to that. So we, you got to make sure that you're, just like you said, you're working on yourself first. The first step in change is first changing yourself. You can't expect somebody else to change you. You can't have somebody else fix your problems. And that's something that I'm dealing with, with um, personally right now with my, um, my own community, you know, like the Black community. We always point the finger at somebody else, man, and I don't want to go too far into it. But you can't change something if you're not willing to change yourself. You can't change something unless you're turning off that music. You can't change something unless you're changing uh, possibly the way that you eat. You, you can't make change, substantial change, just by, based off a of vote or just based off of this or just based off of that. You first have to address yourself and look yourself in the mirror and say, I don't like what I'm seeing and I need to address that. And then after you do that, step outside the bathroom or wherever your mirror is at and look inside your house and say, I don't like what I'm seeing. I need to address that. Then you step outside your door and then you address your community and you and you say, I don't like what I'm seeing. And you address that, man. First starts with you, starts in the house and then the community, just to add on to what you were saying. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree completely, man. And what you were talking about with work, that's, you know, and I think, uh, I think men, especially we struggle with this because it's very easy to find our peace or attempt to find our peace away from yeah. the home, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but that's backwards. That is absolutely backwards. You know, we're supposed to go out and strain and struggle and, yes. and provide and preside yes. over everything. And that's our deal, right? As men, yeah, yeah. And we come back to the house and that's where our peace is. And, mm -hmm. and, it's, it's impossible to have the effect to be the man that we're supposed to be if our peace is messed up, man, if, we're, if we've got that backwards or if we're not having that peace at home. So, uh, man, I, I think that's uh, – man, I think you're spot on with that. And, and, and just to add on, man, like our, our you know, again, we're going to go ahead and give, give a disclaimer because I don't want to, you know, you got to be careful now. I don't want to offend nobody. But the first commandment that we were given was to tend the garden and have domain. You know, that was that was the first thing that we were told to do as men is to take care of what was given to us, you know, and then that's why you see there's such a war on men in, in this society. And and I don't I'm not a um, I'm not a sexist or anything, but I, I do believe in the traditional hierarchy. I do. That's just me. You know, you don't got to believe what I believe. It's all good. But if you notice, the society crumbles when the man crumbles. You look all through ancient civilizations, uh, go back to Greeks, go back to Romans, Babylonians. 
Persians, whoever, every society crumbled when the man crumbled. And there's something about that. And there's there's a reason why there's such a war on men in our society from even from a from a cellular level. You know, like everything we touch is bad for our freaking testosterone. We we we're 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 getting literally the rug pulled out from under us every way possible. And that's why it's easy for us to be kind of walked into decisions that we don't want to make. You know, um, I think I was elevated as a as a human, um, or specifically as a man when I made that decision back at Boston College, like that, that brought me to a new frequency, man. Like that let me know that my character is more important than just going along with the flow. And for those who didn't, didn't partake, I'm, I'm not, I'm not condemning nobody. That's not my thing. I'm not anti this pro that I'm not doing all that. All I'm saying is that I really found myself when my back's against the wall and I had to put my whole trust and faith in something higher. And that's what I did. And it worked out, man. It worked out more than in a, in a way that I can't even explain well, and, and I have a tremendous amount of respect for you um, because you put your money where your mouth is, right? Yeah. Literally, literally mm-hmm. put yeah. your money where your mouth was yeah. and, and said, you know what, this is, I'm not only going to speak against this. This is not only a belief system that I have. I'm going to put action to it. Yeah. And, you know, for whatever mandates were put out there and whether or not they're legal, constitutional, whatever right. is, is up for debate amongst people. But what's not right. up for debate is the simple fact that you made a choice you, you knew what the consequences of that choice were going to be, mm-hmm. and you still made the choice, stuck with it, didn't back down, mm-hmm. and have made it work. And not mm-hmm. only have you made it work, but apparently you've made it work at such a high level that you're seeing mm-hmm. a tremendous amount of impact at New Mexico Military Institute through your ability to train these kids. Well, guess what? If you were at Boston College, you're not mm-hmm. training those kids. Right. Yeah. If you're at Boston College, you're not fixing to go home and have an impact in your community where right. you came from. Right. And so like that choice, that decision you made where, where we, we don't see the end result of decisions. When we make them, we mm-hmm. make a decision with the best we can do. We do the best we can to weigh out everything and say, Hey, where are my pros? Where are my cons? What am I doing? What am I willing to sacrifice on? What am I not willing to sacrifice on? Where do I stand? And then you make that choice and then you have to live with it. And, yeah. and man, I, I gained a tremendous, tremendous amount of respect for you when I heard your story about yeah. what happened with Boston College. I was like, man, yeah. that's that's a guy that I I, I know I could count on. Yeah, I've sure. never met you before, never talked to you before until last week when I reached out about this podcast. But yeah. when I when I think of 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 Corey, I think of conviction, and I think of of, of someone who stands for something. And is if if you feel strongly about it, you're not going to back down. You, no, no. you may not be a jackass about it. You may not be, you know, it may not be that you're going to impose your will on someone else, but you're going to say, Hey, this is where I am. You're mm-hmm. not going to move me. I will remove myself from this situation if I have to, in order yeah. to sustain that. But, but I am not going to be strong armed into this. Yeah, and, and, and that is awesome. And, and, and I appreciate that Taylor, man. And I'll add on just a little bit to the, um, uh, to the story. Um, Yo, my, my baby was coming out a month. When I walked out the door, my my wife was at eight months, man. Oh my lord. She was, she was, she was, we were we were having our final appointments when I walked out the door. Yo, I door dashed for a month after I walked out the door just so I could hold my sanity. Like I, I door dashed in my Jeep in Boston for a month. Just because, like, you know what? I made my mind up. I said, I'm a man. I'm not going to sit here in pity. I'm not going to sit here in my tears. My wife is pregnant. My baby's going to come out at any point in time. <clears throat> I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know my future. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put one foot in another. I'm going to make I'm, I'm going to make this happen somehow, some way. You know, I was still getting, don't get me wrong. I was still getting um, 
<clears throat> excuse me, I was still getting a check uh, from BC. But however, it's, it's, it's deeper than that. It's the character aspect. You know, who would, I, who would I be to just sit on the couch and moan and groan and complain and lay in my misery and sorrow because it didn't work out the way that I wanted or, or I feel bad about something, this and that. And here my wife is, she's, she's about to pop out a baby. You know, when you talk about like walking blindly, people say right down your five-year, 10-year plan. I don't have a problem with that. But when you live a life like I live, man, I don't have a plan, bro. I really don't. I'm just trying to maximize every day. I'm trying to optimize my life and make sure that I leave an impact and a legacy on this earth. Not the legacy that they talk about on ESPN about how many championships you run. What true legacy is, is what you leave behind for the next generation, what you leave behind for the community. That's what legacy is. It's not about the rings. I got those. I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried about is making sure that I impact as much lives as I can, being an example and a man of character for this next generation. And and the day that I walked to the door, that journey started for me. That journey started. Well, and and, and that's another thing, right? So, you just spoke to victimhood and, and yeah. I have a huge problem with the victim mentality. Me too. Uh, you know what? You know what? That was a situation you could not control. Someone mm-hmm. said, Corey, you're going to do this or you're no longer going to work here. Right. And so there's two ways you can take that. Well, three, really. You can say, yeah. okay, I'm going to do it. Fine. I'll cave in. You can say, no, I'm not going to do that. And then you can mope and groan and be like, Hey, it's all their fault. Look what happened to me. Poor me. Why is this happening to me? Or you can say, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go figure it out. See you. Right. And, and I think we, I think a lot of people miss that boat because they're like, Hey, I stuck to my convictions mm-hmm. and now I'm a victim. Yeah. Not I stuck to my convictions. Now let's go to work. And, right. and that's to me, I would almost rather you just cave in and just be like, if you're going to be a victim, then just cave in and be a victim. Right. Don't pretend like you're some type of, you know, bastion of, of, of light to the community of saying, I stood my ground. No, you right. didn't. Uh, you did it. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden they, they, it's this same process. You've right. been defeated either way. Mm-hmm. You, you, you can't be, you can't, you can't be a victor and a victim at the same time. Exactly. There's two choices. There's two choices. You can either be a victor or you can be a victim. Now, when you're a victor, your circumstances may not look like you have a victory. It may not look like it. When you look around you and you're living in this cardboard box, which I was living in, wasn't, and, and, and my wife is pregnant and she can barely get down the hallway because it's so tight. And we got mice running underneath our bed, which happened. Okay. I can sit there and, and be, be a victim, you know, but even though I was a victor in my head, I didn't, I didn't allow my circumstances around me to create my narrative. You know, I didn't, I didn't allow anything to create how I felt. It was made up of my mind that I was elevated, that I was pulled out, um, that I took the next step in, in, in becoming who I am and who I was designed to be. And it starts as a choice, man. And like we going back to earlier to what we were talking about, you got to look in that mirror. You got to look in that mirror. And if there's something that you don't like, you got to change it yourself and then step outside and change your household. It first change first starts within yourself. It starts at the cellular level. You have to command yourselves and command yourself that this is me. This is who I am. And this is who I'm going to be. And it, it goes down like that. It's a choice. It's a belief. Absolutely. So let, let me ask you this, man, because this is something that, that intrigues me because I've been in similar situations, man. When I, um, when I started in the strength conditioning sphere, I left the high school realm as just a regular sport coach. I mean, I had a degree mm-hmm. in exercise science and uh, 
I started off in the private sector and then missed coaching. And when I say private sector, I mean like I was working in supplement nutrition stores and, yeah, and like yeah. running, running box gyms and stuff. Like it yeah. was miserable. And I missed right. the actual coaching and sport aspect of things. So I went back and got got some a little bit more schooling on top of my degree so I could get a teaching license, taught, and was a coach at a high school level for three years. Well, then I started as a grad assistant. Um, my wife finished college, and I started as a grad assistant right after that. So I started June 1st, 2016. My first child was born August 3rd. Uh, so I was a GA with a brand-new baby. Um, we did that for two years, and when I get done, it's like, hey, I've got all these places I could go apply to. I've made some really great connections uh, across the Division One level, um, networking and things like that at conferences and, and using social media to my advantage. And my wife was pregnant with our second baby. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, I am not doing this. This is not for me. I'm not doing this 4.30 in the morning to 8.30 at night mess anymore. So we made that choice. Uh, so I, I get that. But here's my question for you, because my mm-hmm. wife was in my ear all the time when she was pregnant that second time. Yeah. When I was at GA and she was like, what are we going to do? You're not making any money. You have no benefits. You have no retirement. You have no yeah. insurance. Did you get any of that blowback, I guess, or that, that hesitation, that resistance from your wife when you were like, hey, I'm not doing this thing. They're going to fire me because of this, and I'm, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. Um, thankfully, I did not, man. Uh, she was she supported me. Um, you know, she she agreed with my stance. Um, she, and she agrees, you know, with me now. And, and it's not, it's, it wasn't an issue in our household. You know, I'm very thankful that I have a, uh, um, a Proverbs 31 wife, if you will. <laughs> and, um, um, very thankful that she understands me and she understands kind of like I'm hard headed, you know, and, and that's who she married. And, um, once my mind was made up, that's, it is, it was, it is what it is. And it was what it was, you know, and, and just, but, but you know what though, it, it I got to go back to, before that time, like in life, everything prepares you for the next step. So we were prepared from that moment from a, from a, from a, uh, from an internal standpoint, you know, it ain't, it ain't the first time that we've been through something. You know, like I said, we, we, we moved across the country a week after we got married, like our honeymoon was a 36 hour drive from San Diego, California to Columbus, Ohio. And if, you, <laughs> if you've ever been married to somebody for one week and you in the car with them for 36 hours, your marriage is in jeopardy within the first 12 hours. Right, so, right, right. <laughs> trust me. So we, we've been through all that and, and hard times living in student housing um, in, in, in Columbus and, and living where we were in Boston as well. So, so we had been through hard times before that moment. We were prepared for that moment. You know, we were prepared for that moment. And I'm thankful that she follows my lead and that she goes, uh, um, she rocks with me the way that she does. And um, so, yeah, man, I, I, I honestly, I did it. I didn't. I think, I think what, what crippled me the most which is me being the man and knowing, like, I don't know how I'm going to make this work. And I got a baby popping out within 30 days. You know, I think I think it bothered me more. I think she was more her intention was more on the baby. My attention was on the household. And um, so, yeah, it, it worked out for me though, in that favor. No, man, I, absolutely. And, and so far, it seems to be going great. Did you get any blowback from the coaching community? Like, I mean, uh, not not only within Boston College, but like like in general. I mean, the, the yeah. strength and conditioning coaching sphere, especially at the college level, is such a very small brotherhood uh, or fraternity rather of, of people. It's really really tight knit. Everybody yeah. knows everyone. Uh, yeah. So did did that like ripple out? Did you get any blowback from them? No, not really. You know, and I, I want to make sure that I say that you know I was I got a lot of support from um, the strength staff. 
at uh, at BC, and those are my dogs. Don't get me wrong. You know, it just didn't it just didn't work out. It is what it is. Um, got support for the coaching staff. I'm not going to vouch for them as much as I vouch for the strength staff. I'm not going to vouch for the athletic trainers. I'm not going to vouch for administration. You know, like I said, I'm going to keep it real with you. Strength strength staff, those are my dogs. Everybody else, I, I'm, I'm not going to – I don't need your pat on the back. But I didn't really get any blowback. If anything, I got support. Um, like you said, Jeremiah, you know, we, we linked up at a conference last year, and um, he introduced me to a couple other people who are going through the same thing and kind of gained like a little community because these are the topics that aren't discussed. And that's what's kind of frustrating to me about the strength coach community is like we pride ourselves on being these, um, you know, truck driving Americans. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it my way and pave the trail. But as soon as your boss or somebody gives you something that's really a that's really a HIPAA violation and a whole bunch of other violations, all of a sudden you, you crumble because um, I got to keep my job. I got I got to pay the bills. And I get that. I get that. Don't get me wrong. I get that. Not everybody's like me and, and willing to kind of just go on, go out on the plank and, and, and jump off the ship. Not, not everybody's like that. I get that. However, the fact that we just don't discuss it in the strength community and bring up issues, um, and that's, that's kind of bothersome for me. You know, I didn't get any blowback. I got a lot of false support. And by false support, you know, you get those, hey, anything you need, I got you. You know, I'll, I'll look out for this or that. Man, come on, man. I'm, I'm good. I appreciate it. You know, there's some people that reached out to me last year I still ain't heard from, bro. Um you know, so I'd rather I'd rather you just say you made a mistake than versus just kind of just kind of dangling the carrot in front of me and pat me on my back. But you know what? I live a life where I don't I don't really need people. What I need is my household and um, and I need my faith. And and so the blowback I didn't get, I got support. But uh, but yeah, and some people did 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 help out and, and push names. You know, don't get me wrong. Um, push my name to to different coaches. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I'm just you, you look at. You look at social topics and, and cultural topics that are going on. Strength community is so quiet, so quiet. And I, I don't want to be quiet. I'm not going to be quiet. Somebody has to talk about it, man. There's there's always going to be a Tupac in every single um, every single community. There's always going to be somebody that's misunderstood. And if I got to be the Tupac of strength conditioning, then homie, I ain't got no problem doing it. I ain't got no problem, man. No, I, I'm with you on that. You know, we'll we'll talk yeah. about linear periodization, conjugate method, and and all this stuff till the cows come home. And we we will deep dive. On the most obscure science stuff, we will argue up and down with the GOTA people. We will do yeah. all this stuff yeah. and, and hold a line on whatever we believe when it comes to training. But you ask a lot of the strength professionals today to take a hard line on a cultural issue yeah. or, or something else. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. That's right. not my job. That's not right. my job. That's not right. my job. Mm-hmm. And, and I disagree with that because my, my personally, especially in the collegiate sphere and in the high school fear sphere, mm-hmm. you are, you are an example of what an adult is and yes. you are, you are around impressionable young people who are watching you. And honestly, as strength coaches, we spend way more time with these athletes than anyone else. And so we have a greater opportunity for impact. And yet for some reason, we're just content to cut, hush our mouths and be quiet for a paycheck. Yeah. 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 I think, I think that, um, especially at the power five level, a lot of college campuses are kind of turning and I'm a, uh, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't use that term, but you know, I'm going to do it anyway. It's kind of turned into kind of like a, like a cultural plantation. You know, you're just a slave to whatever administration tells you, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, you're just pushing the, you're just pushing the agenda. You're pushing the agenda that whatever administration wants you to push. And it's a bunch of crap. It's a bunch of crap. These administrators are not on the, in the weight room from 4am to, to 4pm or later. 
They, they're not having these real conversations. You know what kids want nowadays? Kids want real people. That's why all my athletes, I still have a strong relationship with all my athletes, whether they agree with me or not, is because they want real people. They don't, they're not concerned about um, T-shirts and this and that and, and, and hashtags and all that type of stuff. Yeah, they might get fooled by it. It's kind of like a trance. They, they follow along with it. But they want real people. They want real people. That's it. A perfect example of this is, right, so so I had my issue at uh, – my deal at BC and whatnot. And then in 2020, we had all the protests and everything. And, um, like, uh, the one day, and, and if anybody did this, Hey, I'm not, I'm not condemning you, but I'm just going to keep it real because I have the privilege to say this, but that black box posting on Instagram ain't do nothing for nobody. It didn't do anything for anybody. But guess what? You had a ton of strength coaches doing this. You don't have to do that. What you need to do is you need to speak life into these kids and show them that you're a human, just like them. You got to go back to the source, right? Go back to love. Love conquers all, bro. It conquers all. I don't need an Instagram post. I don't need a hashtag. I don't need you to reach out to me and say, are your feelings hurt? No, my feelings ain't hurt at all. I've overcome all this because I'm invested in love. And that's the that's the, the message that I'm giving these kids that they're not getting from administrators. And I think here at New Mexico Military Institute, since it has a military feel, like a lot of these topics aren't um, uh, kind of dragged along like you see at Power Fives and and uh, these different, uh, I like to call them indoctrination camps, <laughs> but they're not really dragged. They're not really dragged along as much. But the real issue is that people are refusing to be real with these kids. You can't tell me that a 40 year old man or a 40 year old woman doesn't have more life lessons than some administrator that's pushing some kind of hashtag agenda. You, you can't tell me that. You can't tell me that. That's, that's not the, that's not the real man. Got to get these kids the real got to. Especially when, you know, and, and there are some really good administrators out there. I don't want anybody yes. that's hearing this to, to think that, you know, that every administrator in the college sphere is just a money-hungry miser that's no just doubt. using people. There are some great right. ones out there. Yeah. Um, there are also some that are absolutely money-hungry misers that are using people, 100%. Yes. Um, but, you know, I think a big part of that is because a lot of these administrators are not – nor have they ever been where those athletes are. Right. You know, it, I've been there. I've, I've done the, I've done that life. I've, I've lived that life. You have lived that life. It's kind of the same thing. And <clears throat> my brother-in-law is in the Marine Corps. And, okay. and, and what, he, what he has told me before about the Marine Corps that really frustrated him in, in, in some situations was that you'd get these guys that graduate from the Naval Academy mm-hmm. who are just – top of the line, you know, they're super hyper intelligent and they're, they're going to make great Marines, but they, they graduate directly out and they're, they're officers as soon as they walk out the door yeah. and then they're put over these guys who have been in the core six, eight, 10 years in the enlisted side who have seen a whole lot of stuff. And yeah. these 22, 23 year old, you know, first rank officers are trying to, impose you know command on these guys and a lot of them are like hey man you go over there we'll handle this yeah and I, yeah. I think it's a lot of the same thing I think I think you can I think kids especially especially nowadays man you know when we were younger maybe not so much because social media wasn't as prevalent mm-hmm. but like nowadays do kids can spot fake like that like yes. it is nothing for them to just be like yeah he's full of crap yeah. um I don't know why he's even talking to me. He doesn't know what the heck he's talking about. He's really just right. pulling this out of his rear end. Right. And, and right. that is so easy for him to spot nowadays. And I think that's a lot of the reason why we see 
uh, coaches all over Instagram and Twitter are always talking about how kids are just not the same. They're just not tough. They're just not this. I'm like, no, man, that ain't it. Kids are tough. Yeah. Yeah. They just don't want to be tough for you, dude. Right. Right. I mean, kids nowadays are having grown people problems, you know, unfortunately, you know, grown people problems. And so they are, they are tough. It's just in a very, very mature way that we didn't really experience when we were younger, like you said. And, and, you know, another issue is like a lot of coaches and just a lot of people in general, they just don't know how too many people are afraid of offending somebody. That's a huge issue. Too many people are afraid of offending somebody, so they fall in line with what they feel or what they've been told is necessary to make somebody else feel good. How you make somebody feel good is you you be real with them. They they may not let they, those kids may not get that lesson right then and there, but somewhere down the line they're going to understand that. My coaching style in the weight room, I'm a very uh, aggressive coach, a lot of energy, and I'm gonna keep it I'm gonna keep it real with you. Like I like to say, I, I I keep it hundred with you. Off top, straight up, nothing less, nothing more. I'm gonna keep it real with you because guess what? You still sometime at some point in your life, you're gonna pay your light bill, you're gonna pay your water bill, you're gonna have to pay your car note, you're gonna have to pay your rent. And those companies that are collecting that money, they don't care what you're going through. They don't care whether or not you're offended. They don't care whether or not you're late. They don't care. My wife and myself, we've been in, I've I've done all that. I've been late on everything, trust me. I've been building my credit for years, man. I'm, I'm going to be on Mount Everest by the time it's 2030 because my credit is going to be so high. I'm telling you, but, but guess what? I can't be, like you said, I can't be a victim. You got to live your life being a victor. And if you're a victor, if you're a coach, I believe coaches, coaching is a craft, man. Use that craft to speak life. Use that craft to pull people forward and understand that you don't have to fall in line with what everything says. You have something inside you that only you have. And those kids need that. Like, like, like me and you are different, Taylor, but you have something that those kids need down in Philadelphia, Mississippi. Those kids need that, right? The school right now where I'm at, the Institute, and then where I'm going, those kids need that. It's, it's inside of me. I already have it, but it's my job to let, to, to release it and not be afraid to um, um, fall in line with, with uh, um, uh, I guess political correctness, I guess is probably the best, the best term. Uh, yeah. It, you know, we, we straddle the fence so much. We, we're we're so, we're to, so afraid to go one way or the other, and and, and it, it's uh, it, it's easy to spot, it's easy to see, and these people are just like, I mean, they're just they're just like that. It is not yeah. not fun people to be around. Some of yeah. my favorite people that I've ever get to be around are people that will tell you exactly what they believe, exactly mm-hmm. what they think. They have their convictions, they stand on them, but at the same time, they're incredibly kind people who who don't expect you to fall in line with them. They just expect you to understand that, hey, this is me. This is who I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. You need to honor that, and we're cool because I'm going to yeah. do the exact same thing to you. Um, and, and there's there's those people everywhere. Yeah. Uh, the the ones that, that I have the hardest time with are the ones that are like, hey, this is what I believe. This is what I think, and you need to think like me or we're having a problem. Right, right. I can't the one, the, the, that. The, 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 the 1% of of the greats who have walked this earth since the beginning of time. There's only one really thing that they've done outside of everybody else. And that's, they knew their self and they stuck to who they were. They, they didn't fold. They didn't bend. They didn't, they didn't become somebody else because somebody told them to, or they were, you know, they didn't feel comfortable being themselves. They, they stuck to her, who they were. They were committed to that and they lived out their purpose in their life. And that's what I'm trying to do. Um, from here until till till whatever my last day is, man, I'm, I'm going to commit to who I am, no matter what anybody says, whether I'm misunderstood or not, that's okay. But guess what? It's who I was designed and created to be. And if more people were like that, then it, it, it'd be, it'd be a little different, but that's just not how, 
the world works. That's not how society works. And that's why we call these people one percenters. The only difference is they are who they are. That's it. That's it. They, they are fully invested in who they are. That's the only difference. Anybody can be that. Anybody. Yeah. You know, I was, I was talking to Bert Soren about this recently and I, I asked him, I, I was like, dude, how, how, you know, how are you achieving the things that you achieved? And, and what he told me was so profound. It was so simple. It was like, I know what I want yeah. and I pursue it relentlessly. Yes. And, and that's it. And, yes. and it, it's not what does someone else want and how can I craft what they want into what I want? It's, Hey, I've identified who I am what I want to achieve. And now I'm going to pour everything I've got into it until Mm -hmm. there's nothing left to pour. And, and, you know, people that do that build something that they can leave behind. They leave a legacy and it may, and you know, your legacy, somebody hearing this and like, Oh, well, you know, whatever your legacy may not be a multi-million dollar exercise equipment company. Your legacy may not be a, a software company. Your legacy may not be, Bitcoin or whatever, it, it, right. it doesn't matter. Your legacy is the impact that you leave behind through the next generation. I completely agree with you on that. And the other thing yeah. I think this completely is our legacy and something that I think a lot of people are missing is our children. Yes. I think that that is the biggest legacy we leave is li- literally we are leaving yes. them to be the next generation, right? And <clears throat> we have gone away from having children for some reason. Mm-hmm. As yeah. a society, I've seen that more and more. People talking about, oh, I don't want to have kids. I don't want to have kids. Or I want to do all these things before I have kids. Like, no, man. I mm. wanted to have kids. It's the, like the day I got married, I was like, all right, yeah. I want to do this now. Because like my, yeah. my, the biggest thing I've ever wanted to be was a dad. Because mm-hmm. I, I, you know, my father was a very prevalent figure in my life. And he's, he's a great man. And um, blue-collar guy. Worked his tail off. Still does to this day. Yeah. Um, and and I, I have seen him... I have seen him fail and succeed and fail and succeed. And I've seen him struggle and do And at the end of the day, you know, he, he raised, he raised four sons. He's still married to my mother and mm-hmm. works his tail off. And he's, he's got a, a great deal of respect in his community. Yeah. And now I get to watch him love my kids. He loves on his grandkids all the time. And I saw that. And I was like, man, I, I want that. You know, yeah. I may not do it the exact same way he did, you know, he, he's never, never went to college. He works in construction. He owns his own company, but, yeah. but the thing that I wanted to see and I wanted to do is I wanted to love my kids the way that my dad loved me. And I wanted to have them be able to sit and talk to somebody and tell them about me in that same way. Yeah. You know, uh, my buddy, Brandon Lilly says yeah. it this way, Brandon said that, uh, and I thought this was awesome. He was like, he wanted to live his life in such a way and be the type of father that if once he's gone Mm -hmm. and someone asked his son, hey, tell me about your dad. And his son's going to look at them and be like, how much time do you have? And we're going to need a (laughs) bottle of whiskey. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You know, and like that's that's it. Right. Like I Mm -hmm. want to to have this life that where my my kids are like, that's it. That's the that's the metric. Right. Yeah. And and, and I I didn't I didn't know the importance of. fatherhood yeah you know, i was raised uh single mom when my mom and dad we have a good relationship now and, all, and everything but i didn't know the importance of fatherhood until i became a father man like I, I didn't even understand the beauty of children until i started holding my baby and then you kind of go back into why there's such a, a war on our kids and society there's something special about that there's something there's something really um intricate about young people and and, and babies and children there's there's something there and um um and it, it, you I, I like how you pointed that out because 
the father is is so critical um in 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 that example it's it's the majority of fathers who may not be in their children's life they still struggle they struggle with the fact that they're not in their life they may never say it but they struggle with the fact and it's just kind of one of those one of those natural things that that was implanted in us and um and so much is so much comes from that so much comes from that you know there there's definitely a, a relationship there a relationship piece there that uh that these kids need and us being strength coaches, we know that a lot of these kids don't have their fathers in their life. And that's the other part where I kind of step in. Um, and I'm not trying to replace anybody's father, but I always tell my kids, you know, I'm, I'm that uncle at the barbecue, you know, I got the sandals on, you know, I'm gonna give you a plate of food, but as soon as you act up, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this sandal off and hit you across your butt. Cause that's what it's going to be. You know, I'm gonna love you up, but it's going to be tough love. And that's what these kids need because they didn't have that. There are a lot of them may not have had that. Um, and, and everybody's experience is different and everything, but, but, uh, but yeah, man, as coaches, we got, we got to step in, um, and women too, that women could play the role of a father, you know, there's, it's, it may not be to the, to, to the T, but stepping in and applying, um, um, fundamentals and applying life principles and all that stuff. Anybody could do that. You know, speaking from a strength coach standpoint, anybody could do that. So, uh, so yeah, man. No, I'm with you on that, man. And, and, and not to take anything away from single mothers because there's, right. there's some, absolutely fantastic human beings in the world that were raised by single moms who did a great, great job in the absence of that father figure. Um, But I I, I am with you, man. The the importance of the father in the home is so, so, so big. Um, And, you know, if if, if you want more information on that, man, I can point anyone listening. I can point you to to a plethora of resources, uh, Ryan Mickler being one, that dude has got yeah. a lot going on about fatherhood and manhood. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot about manhood with like guys like Jack Donovan. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's, there's tons of people out there who are really on the forefront of the masculinity movement and the yeah. fatherhood movement. My, my buddy, yeah. Tom Kingwell, who runs the complete dad, there's mm-hmm. all sorts of resources out there for that. And, and so my encouragement to anybody listening to this that is a father or is going to be a father is to understand the levity of that situation, man. It, it is it is vitally important um, because and you, and you just said it yourself, you know, coming from a, a single mom background, you didn't yeah. understand how important that job was right. until you had that job title. <laughs> right. Right. You know, yeah. I, you know, I had, I had influence in my life, but it wasn't, yeah, it's, it's different when you, when you, when it's you. <laughs> it's a hundred percent different. And you know, my, my brother-in-law and his wife just had a baby last week and uh, I was messaging them. I said, changes everything immediately. Yeah. Didn't it? And he goes, yeah. absolutely. Like it's the best yeah. thing in the world, but like the entire world shifts Yes. in an instant. And, yes. it's, and it's, it's, it's weird as a man, right? Because like, you know, you've been through a pregnancy with your wife. Like it's, it's kind of an obscure thing because you can't see the baby. You can't feel the baby all the time. It's not impacting your daily life so severely, right. but the minute that baby's born, it's like, Oh yeah, here it is. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. it completely, you know, completely flips everything. And it's, it's a, it's a really wonderful thing, man. So I'm, I, I'm, I think, I'm right. I think it's that. fair to say that you're, you're not going to be, you're never going to be perfect. You know, I, I battle so much in my life and there's some, there's some things I'm still pruning out of my life, you know, but you're never going to be perfect. I, I don't think the journey is about being perfect. I think the journey is about just giving the best effort that you can and understanding that it is a journey. And on a journey, you come, you go through different things and you overcome different things. You learn different things. And uh, <clears throat> that, that, that outlook really, really helps me because I am a bit of a perfectionist. And uh, when things don't, 
you know, I mess up or things will go wrong or I make a mistake or um, I battle kind of some whatever kind of guilt or whatever the case may be. Um, it's not about being it's not about being perfect, man. You're never going to be perfect. We're never going to be perfect. But it's the journey to strive for perfection and strive to be the best that you can be um, and strive towards the optimal effort. That's what it's all about. And that's where you find joy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're right. There's no such thing as perfection. You're going to fail. We're going to fail. We're going to let our kids down. We're going to let our wives down. We're going to let our spouses down. We're going to let our bosses down, our kids that we coach. There's going to be some failure there, but the the trick is to go through a relentless self-analysis, man. Always be looking for ways to improve. Always be looking for what can I do better? How can I be better? Because that's what leadership is, and and that's what it means, in my opinion. That's one of the things that it means to be a man is yes. to, to always be analyzing yourself and finding ways to not only elevate yourself, but those around you. And I right. think that's, I think that's spot on, dude. Absolutely. Perfect. Yeah. So, but man, um, dude, this has been an absolutely fantastic conversation. We're going to absolutely have to do this again. Uh, yeah. so I've, I've enjoyed having you on, man. So where, where can people find you? I mean, I've seen you on social media, but where, where can people find you and follow your content? Because you're putting out, stuff that's all across the board, but between yeah. holistic recovery to training tips to yeah. apparently dad tip. I mean, everything. So yeah. where, where can people yeah. follow and find you? Yeah, I do the majority of, of that type of sharing on, on Instagram. It's at coach underscore Corey Bell, C-O-R-Y-B-E-L-L. Um, I do have Twitter. I'm not on there as much. Uh, going back to our thoughts and whatnot, Twitter is Twitter will bring you down a hole that you don't want to don't, don't want to go down. <laughs> so I try to stay off Twitter a little bit outside of the news. Um, Instagram, I'm also a visual learner, man. So Instagram is my thing, and, and that's why I, I build most of my community. Awesome, man. So uh, you guys definitely go follow Coach Corey and uh, check out some of the things he's got going on. Uh, so, Coach, until next time, man, uh, we're going to definitely get you back on here here in the future. But uh, I have absolutely enjoyed this. It's been very fun to talk to you. Yes, sir. I'm looking forward to it, man. Taylor, thank you for having me on here, and, and um, I really appreciate it. All right, boss. See you later. Yes, sir. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed listening to that episode with Coach Corey Bell. Thank you for checking out the Discomfort by Design podcast. Uh, Be looking for more drops in the next couple weeks to come. I appreciate you guys listening. Have a great day.